welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode 89. I'm Ryan Nilsson. And I'm Lindsay Rosado. We're your hosts today, and today we're talking with Nick Mundus. Nick is the CLB's Director of North American Mission, and we're going to be talking to him today about strategic leadership. Nick has been the Director of North American Mission since 2019. Prior to that, he served as the Senior Pastor at Oak Hill Church in Bloomington, Minnesota. And Nick was also already a guest in episode 67. Welcome. It is great to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Nick, what do you think your favorite cartoon was growing up? My favorite cartoon was and still is Underdog. Okay, so you said that way back in episode 67. That hasn't changed as you reflect on your childhood since then. It has not. It is still a pleasant memory and many lessons learned through Polly Purebred and Underdog. Do you have a most uh, like a more recent favorite cartoon? Like if you had to pick something like 2000 onward? Uh, Because I have kids that are adults now, but 2000, maybe Arthur. Ooh, good choice. Love watching Arthur with them. You know what I want to know? What was the cartoon that your kids watched that drove you nuts that you couldn't stand? I would say had something to do with cars that became robots and things like that that was a what transformers is that that was a transformers yeah, yeah a lot of noise and and <laughs> excitement and uh. oh, that's that's good all right well today we're talking about strategic leadership and so tell us nick what does that term mean it's kind of a buzzword but what do you mean by strategic leadership what i want us to consider today is basically the idea that it's deliberate growth deliberate learning, the idea that we make decisions that are intentional, we engage with people in a deliberate way as we consider what we're learning, how can we apply it, am I paying attention to the people that are counting on me to lead them? That's good. Thanks for breaking that down for us, Nick. It occurred to me when you you said that, Lindsay, that it's kind of a buzzword. Like we could do this whole episode. We have a lot of buzzwords Mm -hmm. in this episode and it'd be hilarious and terrible if we only explained buzzwords with other buzzwords. So someone could listen to 40 (laughs) minutes of this and still have no idea what we're talking about. I know that's not going to happen though. So today we're going to talk about six concepts related to strategic leadership. And Nick, I know you have been prior to serving in your current role This has been a key topic that you've taught on in many different places, and you've continued to teach on it. It's been fun to watch. You know, as a member of your team, I've gotten to watch you present this and gotten to see people, you know, just kind of the lights come on as you talk about some of these concepts. So I'm just pumped that we can get into this today. So the first concept related to strategic leadership we're going to talk about today is called self-leadership. What can you tell us about self-leadership, Nick? Self-leadership from my perspective is an honest assessment of who you are, how God made you, with an excitement that we're all different from each other. As I began to be interested in what we'll talk about a little later, servant leadership, I touched on was self-leadership, which I hadn't given much thought to before. And some of the professors that I encountered with it talked about, and maybe you've seen these same statistics and that kind of thing, that a successful leader, the key to that is 80% self-leadership. And I found that really interesting because we kind of don't like to go there. We like to focus on how am I interacting with other people? How am I relating to them? And we need to be concerned with that. But with uh, self-leadership, it's the idea of knowing 
my strengths, my weaknesses, knowing where my temptations are. Big component that I often think of is being aware of what happens when stress rises, when anger pops up, when fear shows up, how will I react to that? And being realistic and honest, I think self-leadership is largely about honesty. It's about reality and it's about growing, knowing where our starting point is because we all may have been guilty at times. I'm a great listener. I have tremendous empathy. And then you have a wife or someone you trust go, no, you are not a good listener. You never have been. There's room for improvement. Let's start now. And so I've been blessed by that. So that's what comes to mind right away. Well, that's a great summary, I think, of self-leadership. And so that kind of moves into the second concept, which is this idea that it is necessary, and you sort of touched on this, to lead by serving. Can you expand on that? Before going right there, I just want to mention with self-leadership leading into servant leadership is our tendency to sin is basically two things in our life. It's pride and it's fear. And so when we come in, we move into servant leadership or being a servant We need to come to grips with our own insecurities because to lead as a servant, we need to be comfortable with who we are and be willing to grow. Because on my own, I will often make decisions and move in directions based on fear or the desire to be a big deal, that kind of thing. And why I kind of want to step back when it comes to growing in servant leadership or self-leadership, It's trusting people that we know love us, that care about us, but it's also paying attention to those that maybe we don't know if they love us or care about us, but they might be right. They might be saying what we need to hear, and that is often difficult to serve them and to learn how to lead. Easy example with me, my wife, when I was a pastor for a number of years, there was one Sunday where she came up to talk to me after the service, and I was engaged in some really important conversations with some other people, like they all are, or you think when you're a pastor. What I didn't realize I was doing on a regular basis was kind of shoving her to the side because I had my important pastoring to do. And when I got home, I could tell that things were not real good. She loves me. She's my best friend, and she I trust what she says. And she said to me when I walked in the door, Nick, you treat me worse than you would treat anybody else in the congregation. And I needed that. It hurt like crazy, but I needed that harsh word of self-leadership movement. And I needed that to lead me to be a better servant. So when it comes to being a servant and servant leadership in particular, the humanity is addicted to leading. We like that. Because that has power, that has, I'm a big deal, that kind of thing. Robert Greenleaf, who was the guy who kind of started the whole concept of uh, you know, formalizing servant leadership, he wrote about this not in the context of the church. He was a believer who had that in his understanding. Uh, he knew how Jesus led, and that was being a servant leader. He made the statement that was just so impactful to me and changed my view of this concept, servant leadership. He said, you always serve, and if the best way to serve is by leading, then you lead. So the dominant way of thinking, and with the dominant message of Scripture, the dominant tone that Jesus sets is serving, and then you lead from that. And that was just huge for me. And I would say it it also, uh, this concept of servant leadership, one thing for people to understand, it's huge in the corporate world today. Whether or not they realize that it's a Christian concept at its core, 
Southwest Airlines has dominated with this mentality for a long time. Medtronic out here in the cities and throughout the world, that's their perspective. Chick-fil-A, Starbucks. I used it as an outreach at the church that I served. We promoted it in the community. If you want to learn more about transformational servant leadership, come and check it out with us. And so we're able to reach out because they just want to learn about leadership. They had no idea that we were going to talk about Jesus most of the time, but it fit. It wasn't like a bait and switch. It actually was what they were coming to hear. So anyway, that's my excitement with uh, servant leadership when it's properly understood. Those two first topics are, they're definitely related to each other. That's really neat. I'd never thought about that before. Yeah. One thing that struck me as I've spent more time with it is just the necessity for honesty and to own my sinfulness of being so tempted to want to be a big deal, to want everyone to notice how smart I am and how much they need me to lead them. And that mindset will obliterate my effectiveness or my enjoyment of people being willing to hang out with me. I've been thinking about that self-leadership concept since you first mentioned it here. And so when I think about that, I I think of things like when you talk about honesty with that, how important it is to to be mindful of the dark sides of leadership. And it might be, you know, more silly, lighthearted things like I'm a pathological optimist with my schedule. So I always overschedule myself. So that's just kind of sometimes annoying, sometimes funny thing. And I have to have other people you know, I'll, I'll go to my wife and say, hey, I'm thinking about booking these eight things this day, but part of me is thinking this is a bad idea. You know, like, <laughs> am I am I, am I right about that? You know, and so I don't always trust myself because I know that's like an area that I have challenges with. Or like, I think I probably still struggle with being a people pleaser way less than I used to. But man, I operated, my leadership style was approval-based leadership. So it's all about keeping people happy, which affected my ability to be a servant leader, you know, of those I was leading. Because if you're trying to keep everybody happy, it's not going to work and you never succeed and it puts you on a crazy spiral. And so I've had to learn when I am feeling the pressure of questions like, what will people think of me if I do this or lead this way? Or will people still like me if I say what I really think? When I start asking those questions, then I need to know that dark side of my leadership gifts is coming out and I, I need to seek help from other people to make sure I'm making good decisions and not falling into bad, bad habits. So I just want to ask a clarifying question. And maybe there's not a clear answer to this, but what would you say the difference is then between self-leadership and just self-awareness? And what are the differences between those two ideas? You know, that's one of those, depending on who you talk to, there's people who would treat them mm-hmm. identical. And I think they might be close enough that it's not worth trying to parse them, especially if you get into emotional intelligence and you talk about self-awareness combined with self-management, then it very, very Mm -hmm. quickly is very close to self-leadership. I think some people just resonate with leadership more than they do the idea of awareness and management. That's my opinion. Okay. Thank you. Good questions. This is the show of the good questions today. Man, it's great to be (laughs) here. We let no buzzwords go undefined. This is a killer episode. All right. So number two, our our second concept was servant leadership, serving, leading others. A third concept we're going to talk about is being a follower. Well, first off is followers of Jesus Christ. This would be one of our primary identities along with being a child of God. And so we naturally should be drawn to following well. And I think why I personally feel the need to stress this one is is once again, kind of doing battle 
with our human tendency at the very core of our existence to struggle with wanting to be known, wanting to be a big deal. And that can take either a pride component or a fear component. They, they look almost the same. Like you talked about, Ryan, we can be so interested in being affirmed by other people that we aren't effective or we make decisions based on the wrong reasoning. So being a follower and understanding who we are is also, like as a pastor, um, people got used to hearing me say, you're not such a big deal. You're not that great from the pulpit. I was, I was like, someone who didn't know me, they come and go, oh, you're real, make them feel great kind of guy, aren't you? But you'd follow it up with wanting them to be set free from chasing that you are a big deal to you are of such immense value that your God would die for you. And from that place of following that God, there's incredible freedom. You're not chasing value. You have value. You have meaning. You have a unique purpose. And when we follow from that perspective with that confidence that I can follow someone, even if they're not a good leader, I can learn from them. As a good follower, I can learn how to lead better because I know what it's like to follow a good leader. I know what it's like to follow someone who's not a good leader. I know what it's like as a follower that is helping someone to be a better leader to encourage them when they're leading well. There's a humility component that being an intentional follower, we must be a good follower, I think, if we're going to be a good leader. It's also an interesting idea that no matter how high up whatever chain of commands you are, as Christians, we're always going to be simultaneously those things. We're always going to be possibly leading people, but also following something, someone, you're never going to be the top dog. It's a very interesting uh, idea, I think. Yeah. It's also just a, a necessity that does battle with our struggle to be humble, our struggle to create a name for ourselves instead of wanting the other one to receive recognition, wanting the other one to, you know, having this incredible excitement when you see people who are succeeding and you get to be a part of that, you know, really deliberately wanting that instead of, I want them to see that I kind of a big deal. This makes me think about how like, I've seen these some patterns where people who have had longtime leadership roles in churches, especially new churches that have managed to remain and thrive in the church, eventually they step out of their kind of key leadership role into a different one. And at some point they willingly relinquish a leadership role and pass it on to someone they've raised up or to a new leader, and they seem to be the ones who thrive, you know, remaining in the church, find contentment because they're able to be followers and they, they don't have to be in charge of, of everything all the time. And this is another one of those opportunities for us to connect to a world that we can speak into on these things. Because like level five leadership, if the people are familiar with that and stuff, it's the idea that the best of leaders as they're leading well, ultimately at the end of their leadership, like Ryan just pointed out, what they hand off, what's built after them will be better than when they were there. And they will celebrate that. And when we hear this, we realize how hard it is yeah. for us to go, oh, it's doing better now than it was when I was there. You you, <laughs> you feel that right away. Like, ah, you got to be humble to want that. So we've talked about self-leadership, serving and leading others, being a follower. And now I feel like I get another like super buzzwordy buzzword. It's not one that I necessarily use in my everyday life, but we're going to talk about transformational servant leadership. So tell us about that, Nick. 
This is a really important idea. Transformational leadership and servant leadership on their own are two leadership paradigms or two styles, two models. When they come together, it is somewhat unique in it in the sense that I'm big on trying to push people into a continuum of fear or flight. I do either one. I, I respond properly. I've Avoid arguments when I should, and I fight when I was like, yeah, you wish. It was like that. When the stress is at its most, where are you going to go that could be a fault? So transformational servant leadership, in a nutshell, for our purposes, is the idea that when you lead, when you engage in leadership or you're part of an organization, transformational leaders think first and foremost of the institution, of the organization. They think of improving the organization. That's just how they're wired. That's what comes to mind. Servant leaders think of individuals that make up the organization. Now, it sounds like one's good and one's bad. No, they're both good. They're both necessary. But we need to realize how we're wired. And I can tell you, I grew up a long time ago, went to business school, and Ryan's heard me say this before, but the idea that what I grew up with was organization matters most, the institution, big thinkers are always thinking like that. Now, that's not wrong, but what I had to come to grips with, I'm a natural servant leader. I see individuals and I just love making individuals feel good and to feel like they have what it takes and encourage them. And then I realized, oh, they're not opposed. It's kind of I think of improving the organization through helping individuals. Other people help individuals naturally going through the organization. So transformational servant leadership is the fact that we do need both. So as an individual, how do I do both? How do I accomplish both and own who I am? In the context of church, as a pastor for 25 years, when this concept kind of started to grip me, when we would look for creating leadership teams, in particular, like an elder board of ultimate decision makers for the church or the congregation, we started deliberately saying, we need transformational leaders on the board, and we need natural servant leaders on the board. So it became, as we sought out to make up the team, we thought of both of these types of leadership combined to become one effective leadership group. All right, so principle number four, transformational servant leadership. And now our next one, principle number five, is non-anxious presence. I would be happy to. Uh, this is an area I will say everyone can improve on this. And so anxiety is something that is an incredibly powerful force. And you want to talk about a buzzword today, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, man. And it's usually negative. We don't think of like, oh, I'm really enjoying this anxiety that I'm feeling. And so when we think in terms of, of what is a non-anxious presence, I would just like ask you, how do you like working with someone that's continually getting worked up about everything? They're just pro proclaiming what's wrong and, and how terrible this context is, gloom and doom, and constantly pointing out um, what's going wrong or what could go wrong and never providing a solution, hmm. never lighthearted. I think most of us can say, wow, that kind of sounds like the world we live in today might say it sounds like my church feels like. So the idea of a non-anxious presence is the idea that someone enters in to, let's say, a meeting. They come in, and it's like a breath of fresh air when they come in and join the meeting. But it's not just a bunch of positivity that's just like, oh, let me tell you a joke and that we can laugh. No, it's they come in with like a breath of fresh air that's real, that might 
clarify what the hard issues are, might put them in a, in a, in a way that people can actually start thinking about them but they will have a positive component to them too. A non-anxious presence doesn't necessarily provide all the answers, but they make the group smarter. So they make the group more creative. They turn the tide of the, the group in a direction that people start thinking there might be a, a way out. There might be something we can do to, to solve this. Now, when I describe that, could the church do this? Could the church in our communities in this high anxiety, high stress time, could we actually provide light and a voice of redemption and like a perspective that people can listen to each other and be heard? That would be a non-anxious presence in both a context in a, in a meeting and then broadening it out to could we do this in our communities? I, I think we can. Do you think that person, that presence has to come from the outside or do you think an individual could evolve into being a non-anxious presence in environments that they're already a part of? You absolutely can do it. You, you probably work with people that when, if you thought about it, you're like, yep, they are non-anxious presence. They're good at it. They do this well. Like I said, this is something everyone can grow in. Mm -hmm. For me personally, at my church, people would have said, oh man, Nick is a non-anxious presence. In my home? Oh my goodness. My wife, my kids would be, what in the world is wrong with you? And they'd be right. And that again goes like, what, why do I do that? Sometimes when we're most comfortable, we let down our guard in a way that, that I shouldn't. And I've, I've done that. So, so anyway, in a nutshell, the answer is you can come in as an outside voice or you can rise up from where you are and we can all grow to be better at it. Yeah, that's great. That's really interesting to think about. I don't think I often think about transforming that. I definitely have a tendency to probably be a high anxious presence. That's what I would <laughs> I would assume. But it is interesting to try and uh, challenge yourself to grow in that area. So that was our fifth concept. Our sixth concept is self-differentiated leadership. So why don't you expound on that for us? Well, Ryan hit this one already a little bit when he talked about the idea of seeking affirmation or, or approval from people. So a self-differentiated leader, and again, now I'm back to this continuum concept. So if we think of continuum with two, one on one side and one extreme on the other, on one end of the extreme would be as a leader, you need to be connected to the people you're leading. Okay, that just a general statement, you need to be connected. They need to feel connected to you. Uh, there needs to be a, a trust there. There needs to be a, a connection. On the other side would be the need to be not finding your meaning in them. So you need to be connected to them, but you need to understand you are a different person in the group than the group is. You are the leader. That is your position. And so the idea in, the, in this continuum again is stress rises up. And because you should be both, you should be connected to them. And yet you should not be driven by them, their affirmation or their approval to make a decision. And so when the stress goes high, someone like Ryan confessed, and I would probably say the same for me, is I can be overly concerned with, are they happy about me? On the other side, when the stress rises up, it can be just shut up and do your job. You guys quit whining and complaining. Just get it done. And so either of those can be bad. But so a self-differentiated leader is connected and yet sees the big picture. And now back to just wrap it up with this servant leadership concept here. As a servant leader, 
you want to serve them. So to serve them best, you need to be connected to them. They need to feel cared for. And yet at the same time, you need to not make your decision in a way that won't serve them best. You need to make the decision that might be difficult, that they might not be feeling real great about in the moment, but it is the right place to lead them to. Mm -hmm. So those are the two components of self-differentiated leader. Is part of this also distinguishing for yourself when you're in a leadership role, the role that I'm serving in is not who I am, that there's a distinction in that aspect as well? I think that's a key component too. That's a really good point, Ryan, because I, I do think, especially the people who, well, no, it could be either side of it, that if I define myself as a big deal and I'm better than these people, I can be disconnected that I'm a big deal. That's who I am. On the other side of it, for non-differentiating, that you find your identity and your purpose in the approval of mm -hmm. the group. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, without a doubt. And I would think that would go back to the third concept of being a follower in that these roles, these titles, these positions that we may hold, that's not our identity. Our identity is very much in something different than that. And yeah. so I think remembering to always be in practice of being a follower that can reinforce that idea of self-differentiated leadership. And they really do. Yeah. One leads yeah. into another, right? Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think, Lindsay, you bring up a really key point and you can see how when we know who we are in Christ, when that permeates us, this stuff all can kind of naturally flow out of that. But if we don't have that as our starting point, it's trying to force these things in a way that isn't natural. Whereas mm -hmm. we know who we are in Christ, this can kind of all flow out of that. Yeah. It's so wise, especially to thinking that this is really a broad organizational concept. This is not just something specific to the church. And yet this just speaks mm -hmm. to human nature and things, I guess. But it's just, yeah, it's, it is interesting. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I think this was a really great conversation. I actually have one last wrap up question, just sort of thinking from a, like a conceptual standpoint, who can learn from this? You know, like, is this just the person who's in charge or is there value in anybody thinking about and practicing strategic leadership? I would say everyone benefits from it. And when I've taught this in churches, I've said everybody's leading and everybody's following. And if anybody's a parent, you're leading your kids. Who are you influencing in the world in big ways and small ways? And, you know, think about it, even with our kids, say as your kids get older and they're growing and you're trying to teach them to be an adult. Could we possibly even be following them in ways of encouraging their leadership gifts that are showing up and give them an opportunity to follow them? I think, you know, deliberately, I think that'd be strategic leadership again, leading mm. them to be a leader. Yeah, that's good. And so yeah. absolutely, Lindsay, everybody can benefit from this and ultimately be set free to be who God made them to be. That's great. Thank you so much, Nick, for being our guest and for talking on the topic of strategic leadership. And thank you to everybody who's listening to the show today. Don't forget to subscribe. We would also love it if you would share this podcast with a friend, a colleague, whoever you think might benefit from it. Thank you for listening and catch you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.